Good evening, everybody. Hello, happy Sunday evening. It's so good to be back with each and every one of you. Uh, I just wanted to say to those of us in the Newark, Delaware area or the surrounding area, I hope you came prepared in case we have a power outage. I did. It's my kid's flashlight, but should the power go out, the message will continue. So I hope you have a device there, flashlight or something to be able to see and hear what's going on. No, it looks like the weather has sat down a bit, but for a minute there, whew, I thought I was gonna have to change my location to my basement. Um, welcome everyone. Welcome to our first time guests. Hello to our Newark UPC Church family. Um, we just always want to remind everyone to find out more about us and what's going on at newarkupc.info. You can find out how to join a small group, how to partner with us in giving, and how to submit praise reports and prayer requests. We also have a new card uh, on the newarkupc.info if you'd like to join our prayer, prayer team and receive uh, prayer requests to pray over. So go there if you would like to receive those emails and have the prayer requests forwarded to you. As a reminder, uh, we are coming up on the wonderful uh, celebratory event of Resurrection Sunday, uh, what we also call Easter, that is on Sunday, April 4th. And during our 7 p.m. nightly message on Sunday, April 4th, we will be taking communion together. Just as we did last year, it will be across our screens, but in unity together, we're going to break the bread and um, we will have a special speaker for that. Uh, but please be prepared, have something you can use for the body and something you can use for the blood um, in your home. You go shopping this week, do what you need to do, order your groceries uh, and include that. So be prepared to take communion with us next Sunday. All right, with those announcements aside, would you please uh, bow your head for a moment and let's pray together for tonight's message. Heavenly Father, thank you for another beautiful day, another gift from you. And I just ask that you bless those that are hearing tonight uh, this message who have taken time out of their Sunday to join us and to hear your word, to feel your presence, and to be together. Lord, I just ask that you bless me as I bring the word tonight. Help us to have ears to hear. Lord, uh, this week is a, uh, is, and as we're going to hear tonight, it's, it's going to be a heavy week when it comes to the scriptures and the events that took place. Help us, Lord, to reflect on that. Help us, Lord, to find, Lord, uh, what you would have us learn from the events in scripture that occurred during this week. And Lord, help us to prepare for the upcoming Sunday in which we celebrate you as our risen and living Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So <clears throat> this week, our theme is uh, a religion for losers. And so I'm gonna take just a moment to introduce this theme in a little bit more detail 
than I usually do. I usually leave it a little bit uh, on the side of uh, uh, kind of cryptic, I guess. I usually don't go into detail about our theme. I kind of let it play out throughout the week. But this theme, the religion for losers, I think needs a little bit of explanation. And so uh, let me talk about what we mean by going into this week, uh, the week before Easter, before the resurrection. And our topic being the religion for losers. That doesn't sound very uh, celebratory or uplifting, but that's kind of the point. So this week, we're leading up to that holiday that celebrates our living God, Jesus Christ. And we celebrate this around the world. While this week ends in celebration, by the time that we're at this point next Sunday, we'll be celebrating. But this week in scripture is a heavy one. It's full of heavy events, sadness. It's a week of anguish, suffering, confusion, darkness, and evokes this sense of hopelessness. This week in our lessons, we're going to explore some of these events that lead up to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Because it's in this week in the scriptures that in the three and a half years of ministry of Jesus on earth, the message that he brought and taught and spread looked like a religion for losers. This is the week in which everything Jesus had taught and uh, displayed started looking, started having questions, started looking like, should we, is this the message we should really be buying into and believing? For those who had followed Jesus and believed in his message that he proclaimed, and for those who had witnessed the miracles and the powerful demonstrations of God through Jesus and his disciples, even for those who had only heard the stories about this man, Jesus, it's in the events of this week that we're in right now that it appeared that this gospel message and all that it promised was going to die along with Jesus. It appeared that everything was coming to an end. And in some cases, it looked this way even to his 12 disciples, the 12 that he hand-selected to walk with him closely for three and a half years. So for those who had thought, eh, maybe this Jesus is not just a man, the events of this week introduce the thoughts and the questions. Mm, maybe he is just a man after all, who is claiming to be more. So join us this week, as we this week that we wish we could skip in scriptures. And if anyone could have skipped this week, it's a difficult one. It, it would have been Jesus. He could have chosen to erase this out of the plan. But I, I hope by the end of the week, when we come to a time 
celebration that we see this week and the events that took place, we wouldn't get to what's coming ahead that we are going to celebrate. So, you know, of course, we have the advantage now being the church now to look back, being disciples of Christ now, we have the ability to look back and know what's coming. But they didn't have that in the biblical narrative as we walk through that this week. So as we turn to uh, the event I'm going to focus on tonight, um, I just want to uh, acknowledge that this passion narrative that we'll be walking through this week is recorded in all four of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Pretty similar accounts, different details in some. Uh, but I will be reading from the Gospel of Matthew this evening in chapter 26, specifically in verses 36 through 46. Did you guys catch what I did? Chapter 26, verses 36 through 46. 26, 36, 40. Come on. That's cool. All right. So nothing theological there. Just a, a cool detail. <laughs> um and it's also recorded um, in, in the other uh, Gospels, and I think our uh, media team tonight has put those in the chat for you if you'd like to compare the Gospel stories um, across all four Gospels. And we'll be walking through this narrative this week in sequential order of events. Um, so tonight, I'm beginning with Jesus praying in the Garden of Gethsemane. Before we hit Matthew chapter uh, 26, I just want to set a little context for us. So in the passages before um, Matthew chapter uh, 26, or in the uh, previous verses, excuse me, in, Ma in Matthew 26, we have Jesus who has just eaten his last meal. We call that the Last Supper. The scriptures call that the Last Supper. He's just eaten his last meal with all 12 of his disciples. And behind me, you'll see, this is a picture of a copper print of the uh, Last Supper. I, I know it's probably a little bit hard to decipher in this light, but that is what's behind me this evening was my grandma's and uh, I liked it. And so now I have it. But we have uh, Jesus and his 12 disciples just having enjoyed each other's company um, it was an, an intimate moment for Jesus and his disciples, um, for him to be spending time with them, eating his last meal. And in general, um, you know, the disciples hadn't really grasped the events that were going to follow uh, quite yet. Um, the, the, the feel of the verses of, of regarding the Last Supper felt like there might have been some, you know, lively conversation, some some uh, friendly banter between Jesus and his disciples. Although we do know Jesus predicted uh, the betrayal of one of his disciples, which would be Judas um, during the last supper. But there's a sense in the scripture to uh, cause us to feel that Jesus and his disciples were in a sense, enjoying one another's presence at this last supper, along with some of the solemnity of uh, the meal. And uh, also, uh, following the Last Supper, Jesus does also predict the, the uh, denial 
Peter's denial of him. And we'll be returning back to that in a few moments here. But just a few things that happen before we hit Matthew 26, verse 36. And so let's turn to our main passage. The Last Supper has, uh, is over. Jesus and his disciples, the scripture says, are singing hymns together as they walk to the Mount of Olives um, in the Garden of Gethsemane. Beginning in verse 36, it says, Then Jesus went with them to the olive grove called Gethsemane. And he said, Sit here while I go over there to pray. So the Garden of Gethsemane, this Garden of Olives, place, Mount of Olives, was a familiar place to the disciples. The scripture tells us that the disciples often went there with Jesus. In Luke, it says, they went out as usual, as usual to the Mount of Olives. And we're told that Jesus and his disciples reached the place. So there was some knowledge of what this place was, um, a familiarity to it. And so it was not surprising that Judas, the disciple who betrays Jesus, um, uh, knew where to find Jesus and the disciples. And uh, he knew where to take the Roman officials it, who were looking to arrest Jesus. So, you know, Jesus didn't even try to trick Judas. Je Jesus uh, went to this familiar place knowing Judas would know where to find him. He could have eluded the entire situation and Jesus knew the plan that he had to fulfill the will of, of the Father in order uh, for him to become our Savior and our salvation. I came across something interesting as I was studying and it said about this place, the Garden of Gethsemane. It said that Jesus had deliberately been secretive about the location of the place where the Passover meal was to be celebrated. We didn't specifically read about that uh, last supper, but I alluded to it. And in the scriptures, Jesus had chosen a house and gotten permission to go have the last supper with his disciples at this uh, specific home. And so we see an example of Jesus being secretive um, about uh, being with his disciples, but he was completely open about the place, this common familiar place in the garden where he would be that fateful night. And so this is what I'm calling, we're talking about the religion for losers this week. This was loser no, move number one. This place where Jesus didn't try to elude though the officials who would arrest him, but instead went to a familiar place where he knew he would be found. Of course, Jesus knew this was all part of the plan. Everything he had uh, 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 tried to inform his disciples about up until this point that this time was coming, it had now come. And... <clears throat> His time was growing short and the fulfillment of the will of God and all that he shared with his disciples had begun. It was Jesus's time to be betrayed. And 
everything was proceeding forward according to the plan of God. That's important to know that these events, um, uh, these events occurred according to the plan and the will of God. Let's look at verses 37 through 38. It says, he took Peter and Zebedee's two sons, James and John, and he became anguished and distressed. And he told them, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Here's loser move number two, as I'm calling it. There's an emotional intensity to what is described here in those two verses between Jesus and a few of his disciples. It says he took Peter, James, and John. And this emotional intensity is unprecedented. There was an interesting observation made uh, in my studies that says, never before have we seen Jesus so emotionally distraught and neither had his disciples. He's anguishing in prayer here and the disciples are witnessing this new side of Jesus. This is the same Jesus who had faced a raging storm on the Sea of Galilee while peacefully sleeping. He had faced demonic opposition, satanic temptation personally, and the interrogation of religious leaders time and again with confidence. This was the Jesus that the disciples knew. But here in the garden, I wonder what the disciples were thinking as they watched Jesus cry out in what might look like weakness as he was overwhelmed with sorrows, the scripture says. He cast himself on the ground in agony. Had the disciples ever seen their teacher and Lord overwhelmed you know, by anything before? These are the things I think about when I read this part, that the disciples had no real idea that the time had come and what terrible things that Jesus would have to endure, endure shortly in order to fulfill the will of the Father for their sakes and for ours. Verse 39 says, he went on a little farther and bowed, his, uh, bowed with his face to the ground praying, my father, if it's possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. But Jesus knew, even with a prayer like that, there was no other plan except the plan that had just begun. In fact, Jesus had said it before in the Gospel of John, chapter 14, verse 6. Jesus said, say this with me if you know it, or read it with me. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. Something that I came across said, how often we hear men speak of the cross of Calvary as a way, one option among many as to how people can attain eternal life. If there were any other way, Jesus would not have gone to the cross and the Father would not have sent him. 
The prayer of our Lord in the garden underscores the truth of the New Testament, that there is but one way, and that way is the shed blood of the sinless Savior for sinners. Amen. Amen. As we read verses 40 through 43, walking through these uh, verses tonight, it doesn't take a whole lot of time, but I hope that we're reflecting and we're thinking about the impact of what our Savior faced leading up to our celebration that we'll have next Sunday. Verses 40 through 43 says, Then he returned to the disciples and found them asleep. He said to Peter, Couldn't you watch with me even one hour? Keep watch and pray so that you will not give in to temptation, for the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. Then Jesus left them a second time and prayed, My father cannot be taken away unless I drink it. Your will be done. When he returned to them again, he found them sleeping, for they couldn't keep their eyes open. You know, the Garden of Gethsemane uh, moment is Jesus' final act with his disciples before he's arrested and tried and crucified on the cross. And it's a serious, heavy and intense final few hours that he had with them. They had just come from enjoying each other's company at the Last Supper and singing hymns together as they walked to the garden. But as they came to this point in the scriptures, the tone shifts. And here Jesus is instructing his disciples not to pray for him, but to pray for themselves. In fact, Jesus prayed alone. The scriptures say, I think in Luke, it says he went a stone's throw away even from Peter, James, and John to be able to pray by himself, separate from his disciples. But he was the one who looked like he was in need of prayer. It looked like Jesus was the one who needed the prayer meeting surrounding him. He was going through something. He was in agony, but he suffered alone. And the disciples weren't the one in agonizing in prayer. So they were probably thinking, you know, Jesus said to go pray. What do we have to pray about? But Jesus was trying to prepare them for what they didn't yet grasp and for what was coming. That they would be, uh, because they would be tempted, he said, pray so that you don't fall, you don't give into temptation. And because they would be tempted to abandon Jesus. Now we know that Jesus had already shared his predictions uh, with them concerning Peter's denial of Jesus in the passage just before the one we landed in tonight. The scripture tells us that Peter assured Jesus he could never deny him. No, never, Lord. I would never do that. And it also said that the disciples agreed. Oh, yes, we would never deny you, Jesus. Uh, but when Peter, what Peter didn't realize is that he had already begun uh, and already done what he promised Jesus that he could never do. Because in this passage in the garden, they abandoned Jesus during his most intense 
moment. They didn't grasp the weight of what Jesus was saying. And instead, as we just read, it says they fell asleep rather than praying for what Jesus had asked them to pray about. And this becomes loser move number three. First of all, Jesus had to suffer alone. And that doesn't seem like a position of a powerful man, let alone the God of the universe, the God in flesh. And then Jesus can't even get his own disciples to pray. After all that time he'd spent with them, teaching them about specifically how to pray, and he, he can't get across to them the importance of prayer in this very intense hour. And then in verse 44, we're going to read it. It says, time is up. So, when, so he went to pray a third time, saying the same things again. Then he came to the disciples and said, go ahead and sleep. Have your rest. But look, the time has come. The Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Up, let's be going. Look, my betrayer is here. And this is where I'm going to end tonight. Because another lesson this week is going to pick up where I have left off. The betrayal of Jesus by his disciple Judas as he led the Roman, soldier, Roman officials to Jesus to make his arrest. So this week, the teachings of Jesus Christ begin to look like a religion for losers. It looked foolish. It looked dark. It looked like Jesus was being exposed as a fraud and a liar. It looked like the end and that everything Jesus had shared would die along with him. The lessons this week most likely won't end on a very high note, but stay tuned because the darkness of this week is what sets us up for the light that is coming. Amen. From all of us here at Newark UPC, we wanna thank you for joining us tonight. Tune in Tuesday through Sunday at 7 p.m. as we uh, walk through this religion for losers. We'll hope to see you again on Tuesday. Everyone have a good night and God bless.